1: for us tonight. It's in the leaflet you should have received on the way in, or it's on page 988 in the Pew Bible. We're reading from 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 to 13. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. But if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit.
0: Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this wonderful passage that we're looking at tonight. Um, And we just do pray, Lord, that you'll speak to us about the, 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 the great news of Jesus' sacrifice for us, but also how that changes the way that we relate to each other as Christians and in this church. So we pray, Lord, that you will really challenge us through the words that we're looking at in uh, this letter tonight. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, when I was in my early 20s, um, a friend of mine from the youth group, uh, suddenly, without any warning, he collapsed and died. He was 20 years old. It was a really difficult time for us all. His mother was not a Christian. Uh, She knew nothing of the gospel whatsoever. She had no connection with our church. But the compassion and care and generosity and love that was shown to her was extraordinary. She had never experienced anything like that. She had every reason to be angry with God, but the love of the Christian community towards her blew her away and she gave her life to Christ. Now you may know stories where people have come to Christ because of the love of the Christian community. If that is your story, that is great. Let's praise God for that. And in actual fact, that has been the case throughout history. Way back in the 3rd century AD, when when there was a deadly plague raging through Rome, it was the despised and, and rejected Christians who did not flee for safety, but stayed and nursed those who were suffering. And their love brought many to Christ. Sadly, though, we may know people who want nothing to do with the church because they were hurt or abused by Christians, even by by Christians in leadership. We're hearing that story again and again with the Royal Commission into sexual abuse. The church should have been a place of safety, but instead people were traumatised and suffered lifelong damage. Now if that's been your experience, I am truly sorry for that and I'm thankful that you are here tonight. Of course, between the very positive and the very negative experiences people have had of church. There's a whole spectrum of experiences in the middle. And the reality is we can get this beautifully right and we can get this horribly wrong. But this passage that we've looked at tonight leaves us in no doubt what the Christian community should be like. And more importantly, gives us the reasons why. Dear friends, let us Love one another. Now, it should be no surprise to us when we read in the Bible a statement like love one another. The New Testament's full of instructions for us to love one another, uh, probably more than you're even aware. Here are some classic ones. This is from the lips of Jesus himself, John 13 34. A new command. What is Jesus' new command that he gives to us? The new command is love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Paul had a lot to say about love. Be devoted. That's a very strong word, isn't it? Be devoted to one another in love. And then uh, Peter says in 1 Peter 1.22, and uh, again, this is a really great statement, love one another deeply from the heart. And I'm just scratching the surface with those references there. The term love one another or love your neighbour... It's found 20 times in the New Testament. The term love is found a whopping 261 times in the New Testament. Uh, And all that is well and good. But what does it actually mean to love one another? What does it actually look like? And what should our motivation be? And why do we get it so wrong? And I've got three reasons from this passage why we should love one another. Verses 7 to 8. We love one another... Because we are born of God. Here's a simple question. Can we claim to be a Christian and not love each other? And the answer is no. John is at pains to make that clear in these two verses. So he states it twice. First in verse 7, in the positive, he says, Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. That is, love for one another is evidence that a person has been born again. And if you miss the point, he says the same in the negative, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. That is, not loving one another is evidence that a person does not know God. Now John said this even in in the clearest language possible, language that really hits us between the eyes, in verse 20 of our chapter. So if you've got your Bibles open, you can see verse 20. I'll put it on the screen. This is what John says in the next few verses. Whoever claims to love God, yet hates a brother or sister, is a liar. It's pretty powerful language, isn't it? For whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen, cannot love God whom they have not seen. So being a Christian and loving one another must go hand in hand. Why is this? Well, the answer, I think, begins at least in the description of us in verse 7, in that little phrase that says, born of God. In John's Gospel, if we go back to John's Gospel, He wrote these words. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, that is a person that's become a Christian, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of human descent nor of human decision of a husband's will, but born of God. Becoming a Christian is more than intellectual assent to certain ideas something much more significant happened. You were born again. You were born of human parents, of course, but now you have been born of God. You are a new person. You have been made spiritually alive, a child of God. This is your new identity. And as children, as his children, filled with his spirit, we bear the likeness of our father. Loving one another, is now in our nature as children of God, as born of God. What God is like is captured beautifully for us in the last three words of verse 8. Those last three words are, God is love. Those three words are profound. Just think about them for a moment. God is Is love we're not told here that God is loving as if love is one quality that God possesses at times alongside his other qualities such as his holiness and justice no God is love at every moment of God's existence from eternity to eternity he is always love at this very moment God is love God can never not be love Now we know the Bible says that God hates sin, but that is because of his love. Even in judgment, God never ceases to be loving. It would be unloving of God just to allow sin to run rampant without any accountability. Judgment is a good thing. Loving doesn't mean that truth and justice no longer matter. No, actually truth and justice matter because God is love. We can never say, well, on one hand, God is loving, but on the other hand, God is holy. No, there are no hands. He is always love. He is always holy. God can't just put aside his love, you know, for a moment, park it over there while he judges sin. No, God's love and God's justice are never in contradiction to each other. He is always love, and he is always just. And God's love is pure. It is perfect. His love is not like human love, mixed up with self-interest, like your love, like my love. A conditional love that can be given, then withdrawn. A love that's only shown to those who are lovely, who we think are worthy. A love that expects to be acknowledged. A love that wants to be loved in return, with strings attached. At its best, human love is a dim shadow of the perfect love of God. But now, friends, we who are born of God bear His nature through the Spirit that He's given to us and we are becoming more and more like Him. As children born of God, loving one another is now in our nature. That is who we are. We will not always get this right because we're not God. Um, our, Our sinful nature is still much a part of us. But to be a Christian is to be growing in God's likeness. Now, what this actually looks like in practice is something we'll explore in the next verses. But for now, we must see that being a Christian, being born again, and loving each other are utterly inseparable. Now, this is a challenge to us because there are times we can get this horribly wrong. Most of us who have been at church for a while will have experienced times when there's been divisions and rivalry and dissent and gossip and anger and, and sadly, let's be honest, you and I may have been part of the problem where we simply did not act in accordance with our new nature. And all those sinful things I just mentioned were all there in the early churches in the New Testament as well. All sorts of evil can come into the church, into our church here. And we can at times look anything but loving. But friends, as Christians born of God, there is never a moment when we can say, that's okay. It is never okay not to act in love. There's never a moment we can justify not acting in love. We can disagree with each other, that's fine. We can debate with one another over things, that's fine. We can rebuke one another, but we can never, ever not love one another because we are born of God and God is love. So what is this love? Why don't we get practical as John does in verses 9 to 11. We we love one another because God loved us. What is true love? Well, I thought I'd look this up on Google. So I typed true love into Google. And I got almost 10 million hits. So apparently the world has a lot to say about true love. Unfortunately, my first page included the following. A test to see if you're a true love magnet. I thought about that one for a moment. And I considered, no, that would be a waste of my time. I won't won't pursue that one. Uh, That's clear. Um, There was a true love computer game. Not quite sure where that goes. There was a song called True Love by Toots and the Maytels. Anyone want to own up to ever having heard that song? That's good. Um, There's a true love coffee shop in Sacramento. But here was my absolute favourite on my list of true love. The Elizabeth Arden True Love Perfume called True Love Odour Toilet Spray. <laughs> that one really defies any logic to me. Okay, so well, i tell you, my Google search was looking pretty paltry. Now today we hear, we hear things like, love is love. Uh, what does that actually mean? The world thinks it knows all about love, but love is not love really because even the best and most noble expressions of human love are tainted by self-interest but the bible is clear if you want to know true love rather than our sort of messed up highly compromised self-centered versions of love you must look to jesus don't look up google look up god Now, this is not an abstract philosophical notion of love. This is real. This is concrete. Verses 9 to 10, you can see on the screen, describe an action, a point in history where true love was seen, to a moment in history that defines love. It points to Jesus, and as we shall see, to the cross. Look at verse 9. This is how God showed his love among us. He did something extraordinary for us that shows us true love. What did he do? He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Throughout the Old Testament, God has always loved his people. But it is preeminently seen and revealed to us in the gift of his son. As we prepare ourselves for Easter next weekend, Easter is the story of God's immense and perfect love for us. Verse 10 makes it clear. This is love. Here it is. Don't look elsewhere. That'll be fruitless. Here it is. This is love. Not that we loved God. Don't look for it. Don't look to human beings. But that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. I tell you, if I'd read that verse first, it would have saved 10 million hits on Google. This is love. This is where you will see true love, friends. Look to the cross. Why did John add the words, not that we loved God, but that he loved us? Because the coming of Jesus is entirely at God's initiative. Twice we read, God sent his son absolutely nothing to do with us this is all of god and he did not send jesus into the world because there was anything worthy in us because we were lovable or deserving no actually the opposite's true romans 5:10 we are told it was while we were god's enemies we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. Let's be clear. God sent Jesus into the world because we needed a saviour. We were enemies of God, deserving nothing other than judgment. All of God. All at God's initiative. Nothing of us. And the greatness of God's love is seen in the costliness of his self-sacrifice. John describes the cross of Christ as an atoning sacrifice. That is, Jesus gave up his life for us, for our forgiveness. Not the sacrifice of an animal as in the Old Testament, but of God the Son himself. He willingly stepped into our shoes and died in our place to be the perfect sacrifice to take upon himself our sins, the sins of the whole world, to take upon himself the wrath of God that we all deserved and he bore the punishment on our behalf so that we might be freely and fully forgiven our sin dealt with us dealt at with at the cross that is what we are celebrating at easter isn't it full forgiveness declared not guilty no condemnation for our sin, reconciled with God, new life, everlasting, eternal life, because Jesus shed his blood and died for us to satisfy the justice of God. There is no greater demonstration of love than the cross. Did God get anything out of it for himself, apart from his own glory? no, in fact his suffering is incomprehensible not only the physical suffering on the cross but also abandonment from the Father this was the greatest sacrifice ever for our benefit alone this is true love the cross this is the ultimate love story and even though we look back to this as an event 2000 years ago it speaks to us today because Jesus died back then for you today for your forgiveness for your freedom because he loves you and me God loves you like no one has ever or could ever do you realise that? then thirdly we love one another Because God's love is made complete in us. We read in verse 11 there, Dear friends, since God loved us, we we ought also to love one another. The Bible sets the highest bar for us here. We must love one another in the way God loved us. Wow. It's not just sentimentality. It is a love that drives us to action, to sacrifice for others. It is a cross-shaped love. How do we love each other as brothers and sisters in Christ? Look at the cross. How did God love you? He died for you. He made the ultimate sacrifice, totally for your benefit. We've been freed by Christ to love like that. Jesus said exactly the same thing. John 15 verse 12, love each other as I loved you. That's the standard. The cross is both the message we proclaim and the life we live. We are to love each other in the same way he loved us, with a cross-shaped love. And then verse 12 fills this out for us in an extraordinary way. It says, no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. At the end of the prologue to John's Gospel, so the first 18 verses of John chapter 1, verse 18, We read there that no one has seen God but the Son has made him known. So John there is saying, we haven't seen God but we've seen Jesus. But now that Jesus has ascended to the Father, John says here in this letter that no one has seen God but they can see us, the people of God. We are his witnesses in the world. The world looks at us and we make him known. If we are a community that loves one another like Jesus loved us, then we're the greatest advertisement for God. They see his love in us. Again, Jesus said the same thing, everyone will know you're my disciples if you love one another. And Paul wrote these great words to the church in Corinth describing the church, he said, you're a, you are a letter, an epistle from Christ. And the idea that God's love is made complete in us describes a love that grows, matures and bears fruit among us. Of course, we will fail to love in the way God loved us. But God is at work in us to show to show his love through us to make his love perfect in us. There ought to be something so distinctive about the way we love one another that people will see and want to find out more about God. If we want the world to know Jesus, of course we need to speak the gospel to people. We need to share the gospel with them. We see that in verse 14 uh, where where he says that we must testify that he sent his son to be the saviour of the world. We need to speak the gospel to people. But we also must live lives that are consistent with that message. We don't just speak the gospel, we live it out in love as we show love to one another. Now I've seen this in extraordinary ways in the global church. I had the privilege of meeting a Khmer Rouge captain who had been responsible for the deaths of many in Cambodia during the Pol Pot regime back in the 1970s. This was a man with blood on his hands for many, many people that had been killed. He became a Christian, now pastors a congregation, made up of families of those who lost loved ones during that regime. Love brings with it forgiveness. Forgiveness. A love and forgiveness that the world cannot even imagine. Forgiveness where there's been so much violence and hatred. But now because of Christ, they stand together as brothers and sisters. Not just forgiveness, patience, kindness, gentleness, all the fruit of the Spirit. People from warring factions living on both sides of genocide, but standing now side by side as one in Christ. This is God's love being made complete in us. I've seen Israelis and Palestinians who have turned to Christ and now stand beside one another in love. They open up their homes to each other in hospitality. And it's there in the New Testament as well when Paul described the dividing wall of hatred between Jews and Gentiles was done away with in the church. Now these things are not always easy and there are many examples too where people bring their hatred and prejudices into the church and there are too many examples where the church seems to be no different from the world but such people are not living for Christ as, or as people who have been born of God. Becoming a Christian is, is powerful and transformative. We are born of God and we belong to a spirit-filled people. God lives in us and the unity and the fellowship that we now have as his people defeats all the things that divide people in our world. We don't just love those in church who are like us, who look like us, who share our theological views, on a particular issue who speak my language who share my cultural values or who have the same political persuasions we love one another as christ loved us that is inclusive we we are to love everyone who calls on the name of jesus as lord they are a brother or sister for, for whom jesus died and they've been called by him through the spirit to your and my eternal family John is describing a new community of which there is no parallel in the world. God lives in us. Who do you find hard to love in this community here? When you ask that question, it may be an individual that comes to mind. It may be a person with a personality that you really struggle with. It may be a person who holds a view that's very different from your own on something that matters to you. Friends, whoever it is, we need to repent and pray, help me to love that person today just as you love me. Do you ever pray that prayer? I need to ask that question of myself every week I come to church. Lord, who do I need to love Our love for one another needs to be more than words. It needs to be real. It needs to be intentional. It needs to be practical. John said in chapter 3 of this same letter, Dear friends, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Here is a good prayer to pray whenever we gather, whether it be on Sundays or we gather in groups during the week. Lord, help me to love as you loved me me, help me to love this person or that person that I don't know well or this person that I'm not drawn to, help me to love the stranger that walks through the door let's call on the Lord to help us so that his love is made complete in us here in Newtown, Erskineville our love for one another will be a powerful witness to the people around us The community out there doesn't love one another. It loves people of its own, but it doesn't love one another in the way we've been talking about here, and it knows nothing of God's love for them. There are staunch allegiances and alliances that divide people. There's an endless amount of vitriol against other people and other views. But for them to see a community that genuinely loves each other, like Christ loved us, with a cross-shaped love, That will be a powerful testimony to them of the love of God and what new new life in Christ looks like. Now let me conclude just by pointing you to our vision prayer. This is a prayer we're hoping that you all pray. You'll find this prayer printed on on your service sheets that you get when you come into church every Sunday. So you should make make yourself familiar with this prayer so you can pray it. I've put it there on the screen. It doesn't use the word love. But it captures the same sentiment, and I want to encourage you around this prayer. Let me read the beginning of it. May we more and more become a community that is deeply and beautifully shaped by the good news of Jesus. Now, they are great words that say the same thing that we've just read here today, that we will be a community that is shaped by the love of God shown to us on the cross his love is made complete in us, then we will be a community that is deeply and beautifully shaped by the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And we will then hold that out to those around us with confidence, gentleness and joy. Let me pray and commit these things to our Lord. Father, we... I want to thank you for the amazing love of Jesus, that you sent your Son into the world to die in our place, that you loved us so much to make that ultimate sacrifice. And Father, we pray that as people who have been loved, we may now love people filled with your Spirit, now born of you, that that love we've experienced might be the love that we also show to one another. And that that love may flow out into the community around us and that people will be drawn to know more of God, to know more of you, know more of Jesus and the new life that can be found in him. So Father, we pray that this may be true, particularly over Easter, as we head into more of the story of Jesus' death and resurrection. And Father, we pray this earnestly in the name of Jesus. Amen.